great. I'm going to invite Pastor Dave to come up and share the word this morning. We're in a series on firsts, and um, I'm looking forward to what you've got to say today. Thank you, man. How are we going, church? Good to see you. Doing well in these COVID times. Thankful that you don't live in the North Island. Who's thankful that we live in the mainland? Um, no one. No one. Anyone thankful that you live in the mainland? Yeah, give me a holler. Woo! Woo! Well, I am. Anyway, I'm not moving that far away. <laughs> Just going up the road. Hey! Uh, it's good to be here. This is my penultimate sermon, um, so just uh, just going to be starting to to spit some stuff out that just is uh, just you you got to be here next week because I get to just um, lay it all out there and leave. <laughs> so so no repercussions. No, um, I hope. Uh, but we're in a series called Firsts, and two weeks ago uh, I spoke from Matthew six. We talked about seeking first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. And then last week, May gave, gave a great word um, from the story of Cain and Abel about bringing your best, bringing, uh, the, I guess, the, the first of who you are to God, giving Him not just a token offering, but the best of who you are. But today, I actually want to, uh, I guess, si- take a little bit of a, a side alley, and I want to delve into an issue of the heart, because I think for us to put God first in our lives, we have to get our hearts right. First, and I could I could give you, you know, just a bunch of things that you need to put God first in your day, and you could write them all down, and you could dutifully try and do them, but you could still miss the point. Like you could you could get God first in your day. You could you know have good devotions. Um, You could put Him first in your week. You could have a Sabbath every every Sunday. You could put Him first in your relationships and and loving your spouse and your kids as you should. You could put Him first in your finances, and you could tithe and 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 give to God in His house. And you could you could get all those things right, and yet still not actually put God first in your world. And you can go, well, how does that work? How do that seems strange, but it's the tricksy thing about our Christian faith, and that it's not actually about the things that we do, it's actually about a relationship with God. And you can do all the right things and still miss the boat. Like you just you just need to look at the bunch of people that Jesus ripped into fairly frequently on his time on earth. They were called the Pharisees, and they didn't get it right. They were doing the right things by the world's standards and by their own standards. And yet, Jesus was standing right in front of them, the Messiah, and they missed it. Like, that that's a little strange, right? It's perhaps a little scary. It should scare us a little bit that we can be doing all the right things and ticking all the boxes and still miss Jesus right in front of us. Like that's like, oh, okay, we need to... Get- we need to get this right. And I, and I think a part of it also is, is very much tied up with our identity. I think too often we think we've got to do the right things to please God, and then we will find ourselves in Him. We're actually, that's the wrong way around. God says, no, no, you belong to me first. You are my child first. And from out of that place of finding your identity in me, then you can live right, then you can to know how to follow me. Like, 
you know, identity is actually a, a major issue in our, I think it's one of the major issues in our world. People are searching for identity, and, and you, you can just look around you, they're searching for it in all the wrong things. They're searching for identity in their, in their, um, in their material possessions, like having the nice car and the big house and the boat and whatever it is. They're looking for it in their, in their career. You know, often we define ourselves by, by what we do. I'm a doctor, I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher, I'm an architect, I'm a whatever. Or we, or we define ourselves by our relationships. I'm a, a mum or a dad or a husband or a wife. Or, or we define ourselves by our, our, you know, our status in the world around us. Well, I have this influence. I can, you know, people look up to me in this way. Or, you know, just even by belonging to a certain group. You know, we can have our identity tied up in our nationality. Or we can have our identity tied up in, even in our church. Oh, I'm a part of equippers. Or even I'm just a Christian. I'm a, you know, that's where our identity lies. No, our identity is actually in Christ. And that's actually what I want to talk about today, is about being in Christ. Because that is the first point for our faith, is to find ourselves in Jesus. And the, and the Apostle Paul knew this. Like, he, he wrote most of the New Testament. And, uh, and he actually, the number of times, like I know, you, you know, stats are, are, you know, you don't want to always want to look to stats, but it's actually incredible how many times, um, I've got it written down here somewhere, uh, how many times he talks about being in Christ. Um, 164 times in Paul's writing, he uses the phrase in Christ or in the Lord. Like it's something that is incredibly powerful to him. And, and I think, yeah, it is, it is crucial to who we are as a people. As I said, the Pharisees, they missed that. They thought that they had it together. They thought they were doing the right things. And by, by their standards, they were doing everything right. And sometimes by our standards, like they were, they were so religious. Get this, in Matthew 23, I think we've got this on the screen, 23, 23, Jesus talking to him, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, dill, and cumin. I don't know if anybody grows mint and dill or cumin. Well, we've got, we've got a whole heap of mint. I've got to say, I don't pick it and give 10% of it to Jesus. Um, but, you know, and Jesus said, But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He just rips into them for ticking all the boxes, but actually missing the important things. The most important thing was standing right in front of them. It was him. And they missed that. They were putting God first, supposedly, and yet they weren't at all. And I think sometimes we can go, oh, yeah, you know, I, I need to have my Bible study. I need to read, you know, read a bit of the Bible every day. I need to have a good prayer time, and, and I need to go to church. I need to go to e-group. I need to do these things. And yet, if we're just doing those things in a rote kind of way, we can miss the whole point of them. So this idea of being in Christ is actually the very key to what it means to be a Christian. And, uh, and Paul, he, as I say, he outlines this so many times. I'm just going to look at one passage, one, uh, one letter that he wrote. It's called the, the Letter to the Ephesians. So there's a church in Ephesus, uh, a city in, in the ancient world. And um, almost this entire letter is about this idea of being in Christ. I'm not going to 
read the whole letter, but I'll summarize some of the things he says. So just sit back and let this wash over you. It says that believers have been blessed in Christ. That's in 1 verse 3. And chosen in Christ. 1 verse 4. God's grace has been freely bestowed upon believers in Christ. Believers are redeemed in Him and are destined to, be, uh, to an inheritance in Him. They have received the Holy Spirit in Christ. Those once alienated have been brought near in Christ. Jew and Gentile have been united in His body, creating in Himself one new humanity, reconciling both groups to God in one body. In Him, the whole household of God holds together and grows into a temple in the Lord, God has carried out His eternal purposes in Christ Jesus our Lord. Believers are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, namely into Christ. And in the cosmic conflict that the church is involved in, believers are to be strong in Him. So you see, it's all about being in Jesus, in Christ. It was crucial to to the way Paul saw our Christian walk is to be. And it's actually, that hasn't changed. We are to be in Christ. Christ. And okay, well, where did Jesus, where did Paul get this idea from? Where to be in Christ? Where has he, has he just made this up? Well, no, Jesus talked about it. And he talked about it in another way. Jesus is so clever. He talked about it in, with, a, with a, a metaphor that was just, just right for the time. And it, and it works today still, if you, especially if you like gardening. It's uh, in John 15. It's one of my favorite passages. I'll read it to you. John 15. This is one to eight. It says, I am the true vine, Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you be a fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. Such a great passage. And I encourage you, if you're going to like want something to memorize or to mull over and just to meditate on, just pick up that passage and just let it speak to you. But it's so clear that, that actually to be fruitful in this world, we have to remain in Jesus. And that actually goes right back to the beginning. You know, Adam and Eve, they're in the, in the garden with God, and, and he says to them, you know, go and, and multiply. And that just doesn't mean go and have lots of babies. That means actually to, to reproduce good things in the world. It's actually, you know, to, to, to multiply life, to be fruitful in life. And our, our fruitfulness is reliant on our connection with Jesus. It's, it's, you know, it's actually like a plant. Its branches have to be connected to the trunk to bear any fruit. If it's not, if you break it off, it's not going to fruit. It's interesting, though, in this passage that God is the gardener. What does a gardener do to produce fruit? Well, he plants the tree. He waters it. He puts fertilizer on it. 
you're not fertilizer, it's, it's uh, like it's generally poo. Uh, it's bad stuff. He allows that stuff in our lives. He maybe sprays it or companion plants around it if he's a bit more, you know, eco-friendly. Uh, but he cares for it. But at the end of the day, he doesn't make the fruit grow. God, the gardener, does not make the fruit grow. We, the branches, if we stay connected to Jesus, the trunk, the vine, we produce the fruit. Fruit grows just when the fruit tree has the right conditions and it stays connected to the trunk. I think sometimes we think, uh, you know, we've got to make the fruit grow. So I just got to try really hard and I'll push out an orange. Now, it's not like it's, you don't have a baby of fruit. It just grows slowly on the vine and lots of it too. And, and, the, and the amazing thing about, you know, a fruit tree is that there's seed in that fruit. And so that fruit, if if we can get this picture, it actually will multiply. If we, if we plant those, they will grow to another, and, and it just gets bigger and bigger. That's the way the kingdom of God is established. But it grows steadily on the vine or on the tree if it stays connected. And Paul obviously understood this concept when he's talking about being in Christ. He's like, yeah, if you just are in Jesus, if you stay connected to him, then fruit will come. Fruit will come in your life. And it's, and it's woven throughout Paul's letters. It's not just in Ephesians. You know, it, believers, are, we're justified in Christ. In Galatians, it says, we've been baptized into Christ. We've become children of God in Christ. Uh, I, could, I could just keep going on. I won't, I won't just list them all to you again. But there's so many ways that we need to stay connected in Christ. And I do wonder, like, okay, we need to be in Christ. And you're probably wondering too, okay, I need to be in Jesus. I need to stay connected. How does that work? What, how do, what does that look like for me? And what, what does that mean as well? Like what, if I stay connected, what, what changes for me? Well, there's, there's actually a whole lot of, kind of, I guess you could call them status changes that happen for us. Like you like to update your status on your, um, on your social media You've had a status change when you come into Christ. Romans 5 talks about how sin and death entered the world through one man, through Adam. And, and from, the, how that point, from that point, sin and, and death came in and, and separated us from God. But in Christ, he's the second Adam. Our status has changed. It's updated. And we have so much. Firstly, we have reconciliation with God. So you're reconciled. Where there is a broken relationship, you come together again. I don't know if you've ever had that in your world where you've, you've you know, had a fight with someone and things are tense, and then you've come back together and it's been restored. That's what we have in Jesus. We have redemption. So and back in those days, it, there was slavery, and, and, and slaves could be set free by, being, by a price being paid. They could be redeemed. Just like you, you know, they ask you at the service station whether you want to redeem your, your uh, points or you want to save them, you can redeem, you're redeemed. You're, it's been paid for in Christ. We're redeemed. We're justified. So that means everything that we've done is paid for. It's like in a court of law, we have a clean bill 
We can come before the judge and, and we're justified. We don't need to justify our actions. It's been justified in Christ. That is so good. We have the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus left and he said, I'm going to give you a helper. And we have the Holy Spirit through Christ. We have a new identity as children. We're no longer slaves. We are children. We are heirs of God. We have an inheritance. We have an eternal inheritance in Christ. We have so much in Christ. And I want to sum it up. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you want to sum it up. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. It's like night and day, black and white. What is what was once death, because that's the thing, with, with Adam, we have death. But with, with Christ, we have life. So we have a whole new, not just outlook, we have a whole new life in him. So, that's good news, right? You guys aren't looking actually that stoked about it, but I assume that inside you're celebrating. Uh, or you just you're like, I know all this, Dave. I'm just, you know, tell me how to live in it. Oh, well, we'll get there. <laughs> Because there are implications for how we, how we live in Christ. It's not just, oh, sweet, I'm in Christ. We actually need to partner with God. And Romans 6, uh, I'm going to read a passage to you, 1 to 7. And it, and it kind of unlocks this a little bit for us. Because sometimes, and, and people were making the argument in, in this time, well, if, I, if grace is so good and, and you know, it doesn't matter, you know, grace covers all my sin, then I can just do whatever I like, right? I can just live however, however I choose, and it doesn't matter because grace is big enough. God is big enough. And this is what Paul says in Romans 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So what does that all mean? Um, it's, a, it's an amazing picture. We've been baptized into Jesus. So just as Jesus went under the water and came up, we go under and we come up. And that's a picture of him going into the grave and coming up again. So there's a resurrection power that is alive in us. Our very nature has changed. And you go, well, how does that work? Because I'm still sinning. I've still got sin in my life. And I'm not saying you're perfect yet. I know some of you, and I know you're not. Because uh, I'm not either. Our, but what has changed is that our old life is gone. It's been crucified. It's been buried and, 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 and dead. And a new life has begun. And you go, well, I've still got sin in my life. Yes, Sin is still in the world, but whereas it used to reign in your body, it no longer does. So whereas sin used to rule you, it's now like it's outside of you attacking you. Does that make sense? So, because it says that 
you know, we've been set free. We're no longer slaves to it. We were slaves to it. Now we're still attacked by it. Sin will still come creeping and knocking at your door, but it's no longer ruling you from the inside if you are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, we need to talk because there is still, you know, stuff going on in there for you. But because of what Jesus said, just as we died with him, we were raised with him. So our old self has died. That sinful self has died. And the new self is alive in Christ. New creation. And so sin no longer has mastery over you, but it will still come against you. Just like it came against Jesus. Remember, he was tempted in the desert. He resisted it, but it wasn't, it wasn't in him. It was external coming against him. Now, we need to partner with God in this whole kind of process of, of being alive in Christ. It's not like we don't do anything and we just kind of passively sit here and go, Jesus, you do everything. I'm just going to cruise. No, we actually we partner with him. And so Ephesians 4 gives us a, a clue around that. And Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we continually put off the old self and put on the new. Does that mean you can just kind of fake it till you make it? No, because you've already made it. <laughs> like you've actually already made it in Christ. He's done it for you. We just need to, to put it on. I, I, I think of it like, like garments because there is that image there. Like your old self is like an old cloak. It's maybe really comfortable, but it's also really ratty and really ugly and really dirty and really old and smelly. But you know it, and it's kind of comfortable because it's familiar. That's your old self. And that's what Paul is saying, no, no, you need to throw that off. And each time you wake up in the morning, you, 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 you want to go back to it. It's like that old dressing gown sitting at the bottom of your bed, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's just so comfortable. Oh. Who's been in COVID just sitting in your dressing gown all day wearing the same thing over and over? Yeah, there's a, there's a nervous laughter in the room. I know this is true. It's those old, those old trackies that you can't get rid of. It's like that old coat. And, and, and Paul was saying, no, 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 there's a new, there's a new coat. Put on the new self, which is fine. It's good. And it's good for you. And it's, it's Christ. You know, we put on a garment of praise for a spirit of despair. There's a, there's a newness to what we're putting on in God. But we need to put it on daily. And it says, and, it, and it's around the attitude of your minds. It says there, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. I think sometimes we, we actually need to retrain our minds in Christ. And that's why, you know, reading Scripture and getting it inside of us is so important. Because how many of you know, you, you're bombarded with ideas from the world around you all the time. And a lot of those de- ideas are actually dumb. <laughs> They're not of God. And so we need to retrain, we need to, to, to be made new in the attitude of our minds. The only way we do that is by, by understanding what, what God has for us and applying that to our situation. 
So, so it's like daily just putting that on. And, and I, you might go, okay, yep, yeah, cool, cool. Got to renew my mind. I've got to think about different things. I've got to, how, how, do we, how do we do this? So what's some practical tips? And, and I want to return to that image of the vine to just give you, I guess, a framework for this. I've talked about this before, but I want to come back to it because it's such a powerful concept, and I think it's, it's freeing for us. If we think about that image of the vine, if you've ever seen a, a grapevine in um, you know, central Otago or in Marlborough, you'll see that they're, all, you know, they're not just standing there by themselves. They're all strung up on a trellis. They have these long wires and big posts in the ground and are, and are trained along them. And the idea is that, that we actually need to put some trellising around our vine. The vine being us and Jesus. We need to put some structure in place. And the technical term for that is a, like a, a rule of life. Um, you might think, oh, aren't we free of rules? Aren't, you know, rules are just the Old Testament. But actually, there's freedom from um, the structure, like this structure gives us freedom in our, in our, in our lives. Like a rule of life is um, it's like a set of practices and kind of rhythms that help us create space in our busy world to connect with Jesus and, and to do what he did and to, to live life to the full, John 10.10. 10. It's like actually it gives us life. Um, and the, the word rule is actually the Latin word we translate rule was originally the word for trellis in a vineyard. So that idea of having a rule is like having a trellis, like something that we, we can hang our, our lives upon. And, and the, the beautiful thing that what happens with a trellis is that it keeps the branches off the ground free from, you know, disease and from predators, and it, and it allows the maximum amount of fruit to be born on that vine. And so these, think of these things as ways to support us abiding in the vine, Okay. So they help us to abide in the vine. A rule of life is simply a tool to, to I guess, align our schedule with our values. Some of you go, yeah, I wanna, I'm going to live for, for Jesus. I'm going to live for God. But then my schedule looks nothing like that. I'm just working hard, watching Netflix, trying to keep my kids under control, and I've not got Jesus in there anywhere. <laughs> like, oh, but I want I want to live for Jesus, but... My life doesn't look like I'm living for Jesus because my schedule doesn't look like it. That's what this is uh, about. A rule of life is simply a tool to, to get our schedule to align with our values. And when that happens, we find, I guess, peace. Um, so if you think about putting Jesus first, then you actually need to put some constraints in your life. Constraints sounds constraining. Um, but true freedom actually comes with constraints. The world will tell you that true freedom is just doing whatever the heck you like, whenever you like. But let me tell you, if you jump out of an airplane from 20,000 feet, because I feel like it, without a parachute, that's a constraint that you should have had in your life. That's a constraint that will bring you life, that you just tossed off because, no, nah, I could just do whatever I like. Think of these rules in your life as being healthy constraints like a parachute that's going to keep you alive. Another image, if you like, is a, is a river. Our lives are like a river. These, these kind of constraints that we put in our lives are like the banks of a river. If you don't have 
banks on a river, what does the river become? A swamp, a bog, a place that's still and lifeless and stagnant. Whereas a river, if it has banks on it, it will flow and it will keep flowing. And so this rule of life is like putting banks up along the river of our life. So, what, 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 okay, I've, I've built this up for you, yep, <laughs> I've got that, I need it, what do I need to do, Dave? Well, um, <laughs> there's no right way to make a rule of life, can I just say? Your rule of life will be different to my rule of life, because my life is different to your life. Um, and actually, down through the, the millennia, the, the, there's been different iterations of that's basically been a debate around for, for centuries, like, what, how do we follow Jesus? What does that look like? But I think over time, they've, they've worked out there are some best practices that we should put into our lives. And uh, this won't be rocket science for you. This isn't new, but it will give life. It's things like daily prayer. Like actually just taking some time to sit with Jesus, even just five, ten minutes a day, just sit in his presence, Still your heart, still your breathing, invite him to speak to you. Maybe read a psalm or a scripture beforehand and just sit with it. Just be with God in that space. That is a healthy practice. That is a bank that is going to be solid in, your, in the life of your river. Re- reading the Bible, I don't care how you do it, whether you listen to it or whether you read it or whether you... Um, you know, you take a large chunk, or you're listening in the car, or whatever you do. I've, I've been listening to, um, what's it called? Um, the, the, these young guys like rapping, basically. Sp- it's st- street life, street, street lights. It's because I'm so cool and I'm hip that I listen to. Um, but it's basically like Black American um, um, spoken word, but it's the Bible. And so I'm just listening to, um, you know, Ephesians kind of spoken word, they don't rhyme it or anything because it's, you know, it is actually the Bible set to a beat. But I'm like, this is cool. This is cool. And I'm getting scripture in me. And my kids think I'm cool. No, they don't. They, st- they still don't. But, uh, but, I'm, but I'm driving to and from my drop-offs and, and they're getting some scripture in them too as well. But I don't care how you do it, but get the word in you because there's power in the word of God. So that's a good, that's a good practice. Sabbath. Sabbath, we don't get Sabbath very well in the West. Sabbath means rest. It means to recuperate and to reconnect with God. It doesn't just mean, you know, like mow the lawns and do all your jobs around the house. and Because uh, that's often what our Sabbath looks like. It's like catch a ball on things we didn't do in the week. And then we hit the week again. And we've never actually had a rest. No, no, no. Sabbath is actually to reconnect with God, to go, okay, God, I, these things can wait in my life, but you're my number one priority. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait on you. And I trust you'll help me with these things and give me, you know, favor when I do come to do them, but I'm just going to spend some time with you. We need to learn to Sabbath rest. I, I, for Mayor and I, we actually Sabbath on a Saturday because, you know, Sunday's a busy day. I'm a pastor. That's part of my job. So, so Sunday is not my Sabbath day. Saturday is my Sabbath. And it's when I just spend some time with the kids, spend some time, you know, go for a ride myself, just have some recreation, 
and rest. We need a Sabbath. That's another good rule of life. I think church on a Sunday, that can be part of your Sabbath, but I think that's part of uh, those rhythms, coming here regularly, worshiping together corporately. There's power when we lift up the name of Jesus together, and there's power that changes us. I think community, being part of community, whether an e-group or, or a close-knit group of friends, where you are real with one another, where you're vulnerable with one another, where you build life into one another, that, that, is, that is a practice that we need as well. I think just looking after your body, you know, eating healthy, exercise, these are all good practices. And you need to find rhythms around those. But when you do that, they will actually help you to put Jesus first. And one thing I, want, I just want to say, I want to, want to reiterate because I think we miss it. These things are here to serve you. Don't become a slave to them. Don't be like, oh, I have to read. I haven't read my Bible yet. It's like, you know, 11.30 at night and I have to do my um, devotional. I have to, you know, or whatever it is that you've not done that day and you're beating yourself up about it. You're missing the point. If you're feeling guilty because you're not sticking to your rule, you've missed the point. Like that would be like being fixated on the trellis. Oh, I've got to get the trellis really sweet and you haven't watered the plant. You're neglecting the plant and for the sake of the structure that's supporting it. You can have an amazing trellis. You can have all that and you can be a Pharisee. Like you can have all the rule of life you can do all those things, your Sabbath, your Bible reading, your whatever, your regular stuff. And actually Jesus is standing in front of you saying, hey, just be with me. And you're missing him because you're focused on the trellis. Don't miss it. Remember the ultimate goal of this and actually in our Christian walk is to connect with Jesus. Because out of that connection flows life. Out of that connection flows fruit. I'm going to invite Kristen up on the keys. And there's something that, that I haven't touched on yet around this whole idea of being in Christ. And uh, theologians talk about it like there's a mystical element to it. Being in Christ. Like there's a supernatural element to it that was like, what does that tangibly look like to be in Jesus? There's a mystery to it. And I don't know. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I know I'm the pastor, but that doesn't mean I have all the answers. But I think there is a mystery to it that we just sometimes need to just accept. We connect with Jesus. We connect with Him in the space. And, and there, there are moments in our, in our world where we go, wow, I just need to connect with God. I'm just hungry for a touch of His presence. And I don't know how and I don't know what, but I know that it will change things. I know that when I do get in that space, something shifts in me and even in the circumstances of my world. And when I'm connected to the vine, fruit begins to form in my life. The fruit of hope, the fruit of joy, the fruit of love begins to, to well up in me when I connect with Jesus. And so we're actually gonna, I purposely didn't have too long a sermon because I wanna take some time in this moment because I've given you a lot of kind of head, you know, theology. I realize that. But now I just want to take it back and just go, let's just connect with Jesus. 
Let's just take some time. So why don't you, why don't you stand to your feet? And let's just take some, some time to be with Him. I think worship opens us up to Him. So, so we might even sing this chorus or this song we've just taught you. And, and just from that space, let's just invite Jesus in. Take some time to hear from Him.
are here to move. Come on, He wants to move in this place. Nothing else will do. Come on, invite the Holy Spirit. Spirit, come and Jesus. God, we worship. Nothing else will do. Yeah, we are for you, Lord. Come on, if you speak in tongues, why don't you do that? Come on, speak in a heavenly language. Let's cry out to Him now in this place. We need your Spirit, God. I just believe God wants to start laying His finger on some things in our lives. Just moments, situations in our world where we haven't allowed Him in, where we've been holding Him at arm's length. We've just been saying, no, God, I I don't want to let you in there because I'm afraid of what you'll do. I just want to declare God is trustworthy. You can trust Him with that area of your world that hurt in your life, that illness in your body, whatever it is, invite them in. Come on. Let's raise a hand. Maybe let's raise both hands and surrender to them now. God, we surrender ourselves to you. We want to be found in you, Jesus. We want to be found in you afresh found in you again, God. We want to stay connected to the vine. We want to stay connected to you, Jesus. And we're sorry where we've neglected that relationship. God, we're coming back now. We're coming home to you this morning. Come, Spirit.
Jason, I don't know you. I've not even shaken your hand yet, but I, I just believe God would say that um, there's a spirit of a lion in you. Um, there's, Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I just believe, I just saw like a mane. I believe that he's calling you um, to be a lion. I don't know if that, where that sits, where that's in your workplace. Um, but there's a roar that a lion has that... Um, goes across miles and miles and uh, I just get a sense that there's a sound of the Spirit in you that uh, I, I believe it's, it's going to be birthed in prayer, it's going to be birthed in the quiet, secret place, but there's a roar coming out of your life um, and it's going to bring glory to the King of Kings, to the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Tim there is, I can't see him out the back. Don't run away, Tim. I just believe God's got a word for you. I just believe there's a new season coming for you. Uh, and I don't mean in your job. I actually mean in the spirit. Um, I don't know what your plans are. Um, I know you've got a young family, but I just believe that there's a, there's, a, um, there's a weight that you carry in the spirit that you need to step into. And I think um, the season has come to an end and I think actually the season is a new season with Matt and Ali coming on board that you're going to become a key um, support to them. You're going to become a key um, encourager of them. And uh, like I saw, um, you know, when Moses is um, standing over the battle and uh, when he's got his hands up, the battle goes well. And when they're down, you know, things fall apart for the Israelites. And I believe you're, you're, um, you're actually going to be holding up Matt's hands and so there's a sense that when you're there supporting him and holding things up and supporting him um, things are going well in the battle um, but when you're not it's not so yeah there's a role there for you and I, uh, I don't know what that looks like but I think you should have a coffee with Matt when he's back and uh, and see but yeah let's see that awesome thank you God and there's a depth there's a depth there's a root that, that comes down through your line that you that know of cognitive, like you're not aware of it, but there's a root that's come through your line that runs deep, it's called a taproot, there's a taproot that runs down there when everything else is dry, there's a root that's been carved out through your line to him, so there's, there's already a reservoir there, where the part that, that Dave's talking about in terms of stepping in, there's, there's just simply a settling in you, and God will walk you through it because you don't know the way of to settle, and it's okay. It's like there's going to be a watering that comes over your life. You'll experience it. Stuff will happen. And it's a bit like a new plant going in the ground that it's kind of shaky. But it's like being lifted up and then put in somewhere else. But the place that God's putting you into, the, the taproot's already underneath. And then there's a planting that's coming in. And as, as you walk this out with God, this will be a personal walk with you. That as you walk it out, those roots will settle down and then it'll plug in. God's going to move you supernaturally. The moment you that, that you allow, because there's an allowing that we choose, because we're the ones in control that we decide. And when God gets you that and you allow yourself to settle in, you'll come in and then supernaturally God will start just there's a there's a force that sits in behind your line that God's placed you in that same space. And when you come in, God's gonna set your life on fire. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. It's Rebecca, isn't it? Rebecca? Yeah. I just got the word lily. Um, like, I 
think Jesus is called the lily of the valley at some point. And uh, maybe I'm making that up. I shouldn't. I should know my Bible better. Um, Maya's going to Google it for me, but I just get a, get a sense that um, yeah, there's something. There's a there's a beauty in you, and I don't. I mean, an inner beauty in Christ that um, that He has for you. Um, and I, I just believe that uh, yeah, this year is going to be an unf- un like an unfolding of the flower um, before Him as you open your life towards Him. Um, yeah, there's going to be a beauty coming in. And Christ is going to become more and more real in your world, in your heart. He's just going to become more and more available to you. Not that He ever wasn't available, but you're going to feel His presence in a deeper way, in a greater way. And there's going to become a joy from that. There's going to become a, a beauty unfolding from that. So, yeah, be encouraged. Cool, I'm going to hand it back to Maya now. Sure.